0: My name is uh, Como, and you're listening to the My Tech Decisions Podcast. Back to another episode of the My Technicians Podcast. Like I said, my name is Zach, and I'm the host. Today's episode is about cybersecurity training and how it needs to change after a pretty wild 2021 so far in terms of cyber attacks. To talk about this is Simone Petrella, the CEO of cybersecurity skills and role-based training firm, CyberVista. Simone says, in order to implement new technologies and tools designed to help keep us safe, the workforce needs to have trained, competent, and skilled cyber professionals. Before we get to that, here's a quick reminder to download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes to hear weekly interviews with IT experts that can help you make the best decisions for your organization. And now, here's Simone. So, Simone, uh, you know, right now, obviously, cybersecurity is all over the news with the ransomware attacks. And, you know, uh, the SolarWinds uh, compromised last year, then the, say, uh, supply chain attack that just happened uh, earlier this month. Uh, So, you know, given all that has happened over the last year and a half, you know, how important is it right now to have, you know, some kind of more robust cybersecurity training program?
1: Yeah, so I think that what the last year has taught us when it comes to some of the attacks that have happened is when you look at the response that we've had as a community around the supply chain disruption attacks, solar winds, the Casaya attacks, is that the responses are actually generally focused, rightly so, around how do we fix our processes? How do we fix technology to kind of improve our security and our ecosystems, you know, to prevent these types of things in in, in the future, um, as well as all the geopolitical issues. But what I think on the training side is actually missing from any and all of those conversations is that people and more appropriately or accurately competent people are the underpinning in order to implement new processes or technologies in a way that make those organizations more secure going forward. And so I think that the state of cybersecurity training is really contingent on how do we have a properly trained competent and skilled workforce who can do all the things we need them to do and also do that in light of the fact that while all of this is happening we still have half a million jobs that are open in the cyber talent space that have gone unfilled in the last year.
0: Right. And and how do you know in 2021 how is the needs to change from 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 years past you know what what have we learned over the last year and a half?
1: I think some of the biggest things we've learned in the last year and a half was that every organization, even from the smallest to anything else, have probably increased their attack surface from a cybersecurity perspective because we all, at one point or another, went and worked remotely from home. And so we were all logging into workspaces. And so even if we didn't work for companies that traditionally would be thought of as a prime target for cyber attacks, we're now expanding that that kind of vulnerability area to just such a significantly broader population of companies and people. Um, And so as a result, I think a lot of companies have also woken up to the fact that there needs to be some sort of cybersecurity put in place. When you think about managing a remote workforce, even if we're going to work partially, you know, back in offices moving forward, it's just that you can't put that genie back in the bottle. Um, so I think one of the biggest things that we've learned in in twenty twenty one you know, and I think what the second thing we've learned is that you know you see all over in the news today, um, and it ultimately does relate back to people. But it's, you know, cyber attacks used to be something we squarely thought were in the realm of, well, what would be a nation state's you know greatest amount of damage they could done to send do to send a message, or is there financial gain? And that's certainly a part of it. But, we're seeing that how blurred the line has gotten between all of our private sector companies and national security. You know, we wouldn't necessarily have thought a few years ago that JBL meat packing would be a hack of national security importance
0: mm-hmm. and the
1: mm-hmm. supply chain, we're not super upset we didn't get our meat, but when an oil pipeline is the target of an attack, yeah. yes, that's critical infrastructure, but like, that's run by a private entity, now all of a sudden it's, you know, this is national security. And I think that the more we're seeing supply chain issues start to unravel, that's becoming increasingly um, more blurred than it was in the past.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think um, one of the problems that, uh, you know, I myself have had and probably a whole bunch of uh, infosec folks have had with, with uh, you know, cybersecurity training is that it's just kind of boring. Um, and so that's not very, you know, engaging, it doesn't really, you know, captivate you as an issue like this should. So, you know, how do you you pull someone's attention when you're trying to, you know, explain to them that these things are, this is a very, very serious thing that you need to look out for?
1: Yeah, so I believe the first and foremost thing that we have to do is give everyone an opportunity to kind of test their own knowledge from the get-go because you need to understand as a starting point where your strengths and weaknesses lie when it comes to those knowledge areas. And then once you have that direct feedback, which you've had to go through and kind of answer questions in a more, you know, turned on, activated brain kind of way, I think the way that you make the training more compelling um, is works in our internet age today. You know, we it's gotta be bite-sized and consumable. People do not wanna sit through an hours long lecture with, yeah. you know, you or me talking in front of a screen. Um yeah as dynamic as we may think we are you know at some point it starts to drone on um i think also mixing up the medium so you know how do you intersperse certain concepts which have to be presented but can you animate certain components in other cases you do want to see a person and then in other instances you want to mix it up by having someone actually maybe get their hands on a keyboard um and walk through uh, you know a certain action in a simulated environment so i think that you've got to literally mix it up to keep it interesting um, in that multi-modality way. And you also have to be efficient. I don't think we are. we're in a world where people don't like to go to training and I don't blame them because they wanna go from soup to nuts through like the entire experience. They really wanna focus on the areas they need and gloss over the things that they already know. So I think you have to make it really easily navigable for people to do that so that they can be as efficient as possible when they actually go through training.
0: Hmm. Um, so for the the average you know IT, IT uh, professional, and you know internal IT department at uh, X organization, uh, you know should they be kind of communicating you know what what they're seeing in any threats to their engineers on a you know a routine routine basis? You know do you think that would help engineers kind of you know grasp the you know the the scope of of like the the seriousness of this issue?
1: You think, so communicating internally like to their own stakeholders?
0: Yeah, yeah, like, hey guys, this is, you know, something that, you know, we've we've picked up in our own networks and also that what we're hearing from others in the InfoSec community that, um, you know, this is what you need, this is kind of what you need to look out
1: for Yeah, you know, it's an an interesting, that's an interesting concept. I hadn't necessarily thought about it. I usually think about it in the context of info sharing from sector to sector within InfoSec. (laughs) Um, I do think that culturally that would be a way to keep it front and center in everyone's minds on a more routine basis. So I could see that mm-hmm. being an important part of the new the new IT professional and cybersecurity team of the future, they probably do have an internal comms function that they haven't had in the past, which is you can't just send your company a whole bunch of anti-phishing emails and hope that they stop clicking on links. You're yeah. gonna have to give them some contextual basis of like bad things are happening and this is the result. So I think that that might actually be uh, an interesting way to kind of give people a little bit of that. Oh, there there is a broader context of why I'm getting these annoying, you know, click on the link or I do my annual awareness, you know, anti-phishing training as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, it should, um, it should be more than, 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 once a year, since since these threats are evolving every day and there's kind of some kind of new attack, um, you know, emerging, you know, every, every day. Uh, how often should you be, be doing a cybersecurity training?
1: I mean, I think it depends on the role. I don't think that there is a one size fit all, right? I think that you know annually or biannually for the general population of a company, when you're talking that kind of anti phishing world, probably probably sufficient at this current stage in time. But as you start to get into IT professionals and cybersecurity professionals, I think that we need to start thinking about training and frankly, just our people strategy in this space as more of a continuous monitoring situation, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's not that there needs to be, when I say continuous monitoring, it's not continuous training 24 by seven, 365 days a year. Um, But I think we do have to be taking kind of at least annual snapshots of where are the actual baseline of skills and competencies in those professionals who have a role to play in cybersecurity. And then how do you target, you know, more scalpel like training solutions and options so that they can actually be just in time, kept up to date in the areas that are relevant to their roles. So I think that that needs to like, and you're right, annually doesn't cut it. And also the current way that we often in industry select training isn't sufficient because generally speaking what we do in the cybersecurity or the it profession is we say zach you know i have a budget that i can spend on you for training for the year what do you want to go do are you going to go to a conference do you want to go take a training course and you essentially individually self-select and that might right. keep you happy um but it doesn't necessarily help me as an employer make sure that you're better at the job i need you to do to keep mm-hmm. the organization secure
0: um, you know, going forward, as we're seeing, you know, new things emerge, new threat actors emerge, and new ways of deploying ransomware. Uh, you know,
1: what kind of, what kind of,
0: um, I guess threats need to be included in the training, and you know, kind of above, like, hey, don't click on weird links and emails, don't visit websites that you know are, you know, insecure. Yeah. Um. You know, beyond that.
1: Um, I certainly think that the you know connection between some of the more commonly used types of attacks that are out in the news today you have to stay current because threat actors continue to get more and more creative ransomware isn't necessarily a new attack vector but it is being used in a unique way um, in the industries that they're targeting as well as the way that they're kind of initially gaining a foothold through like em- you know certain em- employers and how they're navigating So I think that it's important to always have a kind of current refresh of what are the different threat vectors that exist out there that could be used. Um, And even then you are never going to be able to predict all the ways in the future because threat actors are always going to be more creative when it comes to how they evolve and morph um, so that they can identify and find those chinks in vulnerabilities in our kind of collective corporate armor um, and that and that is probably the thing that evolves the most, is just the sheer creativity of how these threats are being used. But that being said, there is an underpinning of there's only a certain amount of kind of common vectors by which they can access. It's just a matter of what combination and how they deploy them. And I think that's actually something that doesn't necessarily need to be like retaught all the time, it's just mm-hmm. how do you apply them that starts to get creative.
0: Mm. So, sort of, um, you know, getting this this cybersecurity organist out from IT to every end user in, in the organization. Um, you know, how would you go about doing
1: that? Um, the way I'd respond is, I think I think that you know we have traditionally thought of cybersecurity being the realm of like. The small team in the like glass bubble, and they're kind of off in a corner, and they and they they're responsible for security, and then everyone just hates them because they're the ones saying, "I'm going to make your life so much harder because like yeah. you know, I can change your password 90 days, and yeah. you know, oh, now you're going to have to do two-factor authentication." It's just it makes life always like less convenient. Um But I think that you know if we learn nothing else in 2020 and even now in 2021, it's that. There are components of security in almost everyone's job right now, and it's just what varying degree does that actually mean kind of relative to what you do in the organization, right? So like IT. IT is not necessarily a cybersecurity role, but now they have cybersecurity responsibilities. They always have, but it's that much more pressing that they understand mm-hmm. how to incorporate that security into their job in setting up, maintaining a network, doing identity and access management, all those controls. The same is true as you get into other ancillary fields around legal and compliance and governance, and then you start to get into HR. You know everyone in an organization at this point is responsible for security in some capacity in their role. And so it's how do you start thinking about how do they have to actually, how do they become trained and leverage or kind of implement security in the context of what they're responsible for doing, um, which is more than just general population, but it's diff- that's very different, right? Like I'm not going to talk to an HR person about, you know, technical hat, like what hashes are, and how to examine data flows and network, like, and look at network logs. But they do have access to a lot of sensitive employee information and they need to understand that some of the things that they're doing from an, you know, access control and what, you know, where they're storing that data and how they're either, you know, is it encrypted or not, like that matters because they're responsible for it. Right, right.
0: Well, what do you see in terms of, uh, you know, the, Level of you know IT and security skills you know in uh, the U.S. Um, and 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 just the uh, I guess the gap in in those skills. Uh, yeah, you know, where what, what we need them to be.
1: Um, so this is a near and dear issue to my heart because I think the biggest gap that we have in the U.S. when it comes to cybersecurity kind of skills and the the shortage is actually not around technical IT or security knowledge. Um, I think we have a lack of people who have gone into the field who we are training into those roles. But you know, I've been in cybersecurity for over 15 years of my career, and I'm biased because I myself don't have a technical degree, but I've worked long enough in this field that some of my best analysts, some of the most successful security leaders and executives that I've worked with in my career came from backgrounds that we would not define as traditional IT or security backgrounds. And I actually think that's what makes them so good at their jobs because the biggest skill that I that we hear and get requests for when we talk to any client, customer, it doesn't matter whether it's government, private sector, nonprofit, you name it, is critical thinking, communications, mm. soft skills. And that's because you have to put it all together in context. And so I think the biggest gap is we are fundamentally looking for talent in the wrong places because you know, what's the hardest thing in the world to teach soft skills. Right. So I would rather have the industry take a kind of critical look at ourselves and say, maybe we should hire those diamonds in the rough that have good analytic, you know, thinking power can actually do the communication and why don't we invest in training them in the technical areas that, we need for them to perform some of those jobs is that going to work 100 I mean, percent of roles out there are there some that are just totally you know technically you know repeatable and require someone in that completely left brain realm totally but yeah. i think that we're we're missing out on the vast majority of those gaps in the workforce if we don't mm-hmm. kind of change that paradigm all right,
0: all right do you think um you know like, like- I mean, IT professionals now. If you're going to work in an internal IT somewhere, you probably need like a base knowledge of like cyber security. Um, do you think that's, you know, going to increase and is it increasing? Have you have you seen um,
1: that? I mean, I would say I would like to think that I will see it increase. Um, I'm not sure I've seen us turn the corner on that yet, because so many of the vulnerabilities that we've seen that have been taken advantage of in this past year of attacks are because of very basic, in some cases, long-standing known vulnerabilities in either software applications being used or something else. So mm-hmm. I, like, I, I question whether that's actually true today, because then we wouldn't have had some yeah. of these you know, attacks kind of exploit the things that they did exploit to ultimately be successful. Um, I do see it increasing, and I think that there's a much more attention on it. And I think a lot of IT professionals inherently see this, like they have that baseline of cybersecurity knowledge. I think where we have to get to is now, how do you apply that that knowledge you have in your head into what do you do every day, right? I mean, that's, I think that's where the rubber is going to continue to meet the road. Because a lot of times these are just like, these are, er- these are errors of omission. Someone forgets to update something, or maybe it's just too, you know, much of an inconvenience for the IT teams or mm-hmm. they don't configure something properly. These are still very human errors, but they're being done by people who are the specialists in charge of making sure that security is in place.
0: Right, right. I think I, IT and cybersecurity have always been very stressful jobs, probably compounded more, you know, especially recently with the, you know, the the, the you know, workforce uh, shortage, and just the insane amount of work these guys have had to do for the last year and a half. You know, not just all these attacks, but setting their entire company up for remote work. Yeah. Um, you know, are you are you you know privy to any of those those issues in your
1: in your circles? Um, I mean, I I think that you know it's it's interesting. I I'm waiting to see it coming because obviously a lot of the news cycle now is on the Great Resignation, which is very apparent in like the service sector yeah. and industry. Yeah. Um, and and obviously healthcare too, because they've been tapped out in the last year, but IT and security professionals are as well. I think that we're collectively exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of like career growth and opportunity, but I do think we're going to see a lot of people shuffling around and kind of reevaluating that lifestyle and kind of how do you, yes. you know, And I, and I think that the downstream effect is then companies are going to have to think about, okay, you know, we've been doing this with a skeleton crew and we've put all this pressure on this particular size of team, do we have to distribute and even out that workload? Um, Which, by the way, if that happens, um, that's my prediction, you're going to exacerbate the talent shortage even more (laughs) because these people are already overloaded. The only way to kind of release the pressure is either develop some really kick-ass technologies that they can deploy and automate a lot of those functions to make their lives easier um or you have to bring on additional you know staff to to kind of alleviate some of the workload
0: right right or just quit your job and start sending ransomware around and make like exactly make six yeah. basic <laughs> speakers in, in, in a day there you go <laughs> yeah i asked every time i, I talked to someone i was scared to ask like why are you guys i mean like the bad guys make a lot more money than you are so when, what are you what are you doing
1: Right. And I always get, like oh well
0: you know it's a higher calling i always get that response right. <laughs> um, um
1: I, I think fear i think fear of jail is high up there <laughs>
0: yeah
1: sure fair enough. it's hard it's hard for those of us based in the u.s where we can't yeah, yeah, either, yeah. you know the russian government
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's fair i just i, I don't know I, I think it's a funny question to ask um well, uh, so I think that's uh, the answers to all the questions I had. Also, is there anything else that uh, you think you need to know about, you know, how uh, cybersecurity needs to change?
1: Um, the only thing that like comes to my mind, and this is also like something near and dear to my heart when it comes to um, cybersecurity and like the talent shortage is, you know, the analogy I would use is cyber, like, no, you know, on your show, like no one here would tell you that we shouldn't be doing regular network scans and identifying vulnerabilities. Like you scan your network on a regular basis to identify those vulnerabilities. Once you have that baseline, you obviously remediate and, and mitigate those holes and then you re, and you constantly are re-scanning that network so that you're up to date. And the reason we do that is because we've made a capital investment in technology in our networks. And so that's how you optimize and maximize its security. Um, I used to be a consultant in cybersecurity for you know over a decade. And so we're very well versed in this kind of concept of people, process and technology. And what again is missing is we don't actually scan our people for the skills and, and competencies that they need to be effective the way we would a network. And ultimately, I think that that is one of the reasons we haven't been able to really crack the nut on how to not only solve the or start to make a dent in the talent shortage, but really make sure that we're more secure because you need to constantly be looking for where are like, what's the state of my people that I have? Where are they strong? Great. Let me make sure I use them and maximize them in the areas that I know they'll be most successful. And where are they weak so that we can actually improve upon and get them training or exposure or on the job experience that they need. So I don't say assess people because it should be punitive or performance driven, but it's like, 80% 80% of companies' budgets are spent on headcount. Like humans mm. are the biggest expense in these companies and that's no different in cybersecurity teams. Over 50% of a security budget is generally on headcount. So I think we need to be a bit more deliberate and method- like methodical about the way. And I think it is possible to measure that. Um, there really are quantitative ways to measure that and improve it. And I think it would be remiss to, to kind of deploy a training strategy where you're not getting some of that reportable data. All right. Thanks, Simone. All right. Talk soon. Thanks for
0: listening to another episode of the My Tech Decisions podcast, where it's our mission to help you make technology decisions for your company. If you would like to learn more, head to MyTechDecisions.com or follow us on Twitter at MyTechDecisions. You can also follow me on Twitter at Como. Until next time.